Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a wiki podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Michael Lawrence to the podcast. Dr. Lawrence serves as the lead pastor of Henson Baptist Church in Portland, Oregon, and as a council member of the Gospel Coalition. He's an accomplished author publishing multiple works, including Biblical Theology and the Life of the Church, It Is Well, Expositions on Substitutionary Atonement with Mark Dever, and Conversion, How God Creates a People, released in 2017 with Nine Marks. Dr. Lawrence, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Jason, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a, it's a delight to get to visit with you today. And as we were just reflecting briefly before we began recording, it was great having you on campus recently for the Nine Marks Conference this spring. And uh, brother, I get to know you better in that setting. And uh, of course, I've, I've known you distantly over the years, but I think that's the first time I've had the privilege of spending extended time with you in conversation. And so it was good to see you uh, and hear from you as you preached and taught during the event of that conference and uh, to fellowship with you over meals several times as well. Yeah, likewise. And of course, we feel a, a close connection now with Midwestern, having sent my former associate pastor to be faculty there with you. So, yeah, and as I record this podcast, I'm in the the recording studio that's within the Spurgeon Library, and of course, you're referring to Dr. Jeff Chang, uh, who's been such a tremendous addition here, and his scholarship is second to none, and uh, his churchmanship ranks similarly high, and uh, that's the combination we're looking for here at Midwestern Seminary. So, very yeah. thankful to have him here. Well, uh, we miss them, and our loss is your gain. Well, I, I like being on that side of the equation. So, <laughs> well, listen, let's uh, let's move into the conversation and today. Well, but before we do, one other kind of front porch question: Give us a brief update on your ministry, your family, and uh, if there's any other writing project before you as well. Yeah, um, so I'm I'm here in Portland. Uh, we're in St. Baptist Church. It's a it's a historic city center uh, congregation. Uh, and and church. I I don't know exactly who listens to this podcast, but I often tell people uh, Portland's been in the news a lot lately. Uh, the last couple of years, don't believe everything you see on TV. It's not quite as bad as it as it looks. But these have definitely been some challenging times for ministry here, and uh, I, I'm just grateful to be here uh, in a church that is deeply engaged with a city that is in great need for the gospel. Um, my, my family's doing well. It's scattering. Uh, I've got five kids, and three of them are now out and about, two in Chicago and one in Santa Fe, getting ready to launch another one. He's um, graduating from high school. Uh, I'm really grateful for the Lord's kindness on our family as, as, we, as we will only have one at home for a while, which will be a real change for us. Oh. Um, I'm, and I'm really encouraged by the, by the ministry here uh, at, at Henson. Uh, glad the pandemic is is moving into a different stage. We only got to take masks off about a month ago. Uh, we're all grateful for that, um, and and looking forward to to new opportunities uh, to to engage our neighborhood and our city. So today we're talking about preaching for sound conversions. And again, we're going to build the conversation, at least in part, from your book, uh, Conversion, How God Creates People. And the idea for this conversation really uh, stemmed from the conference last month, uh, or I guess two months ago now in February, we had on campus here. And uh, the topic was themed on conversion. And and again, uh, just continue to, to reflect on the fact that we who pastor and preach uh, need to preach and orient our ministries, especially our pulpit ministries, in such a way that that we 
that we find ourselves um, eliciting sound conversions. And look, we understand from the front end here that conversion is the work of the Spirit and uh, concert with the Word. But we want to be the type of ministers. We want to be the type of ministers who are preaching and teaching the Word with clarity, with conviction, and uh, and leading lives and ministries and in the midst of congregations where it's the natural and uh, obvious place to see the Spirit work. And so... You know, when I began That's to right. toy with the title for this conversation, again, preaching for sound conversions, well, what's the what's the contrast of that? Well, the contrast is not being intentional and leading a ministry that 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 is known by populating your church with spurious conversions or, or shallow conversions or false conversions. And uh, and look, different ministries take shape in different ways. And intentionally, you will have sound conversions if you build your ministry seeking to cultivate sound conversions. And if you build it the other way, where we're just trying to, man, get your, your baptistry sloshing as much as possible or trying to draw a crowd, well, that, that can lead, even if well-intended, that can lead to spurious conversions, to, to, to false converts, to, to conversions that aren't sound. And so we want to pursue the former. In today's conversation, I hope to not only encourage and persuade listeners to pursue the former, but give them a bit of the how-to uh, as we go about this conversation. So so let me just, again, your book's been out like five years, so this conversation yeah. is not occasioned by a book that came out last month. Often my podcast conversations are. This has been around a few years. Um, but give us a sense, six, seven, eight, nine years ago, like what about this topic moved you to write a book on conversion? Yeah, that's a great question, and it's it's funny because uh, it, the book has been out for five years, and it's it's recently seeing uh, a rather remarkable resurgence uh, in sales and interest. Uh, and I'm not entirely sure why that is, but what what led to it five years ago? Uh, oh, the easy answer is Jonathan Lehman, who's the editor for the Building Healthy Churches series, asked me to do it. But what motivated me to say yes? was I had been here at Hinson for just a few years at that point. And um, I kept experiencing this, this uh, the kind of the same conversation over and over and over again uh, with the members of, of my new church. I, I had faithful, godly uh, members come to me and basically ask me, what did we do wrong? Um, these, these would be older members, leaders, deacons, uh, even elders, and they would come to me and they'd say, look, I, I did everything that the church told me to do. I brought my kids to church. They were involved in Sunday school and in youth group, and we sent them to youth camp, and we led them in the sinner's prayer, and it, it, it sure seemed like we were doing what we were told to do, what we were supposed to do. We, we, it sure seemed like our kids had become Christians, but now our kids have grown up and they're wonderful people. They're really nice people, but they have no interest in Jesus. What did we do wrong? And uh, that just, that just got me thinking, well, what, what had been going on uh, in my church and in churches like this in, in previous years uh, that had led people to think, that genuine conversions had happened in their kids or with their friends, but that then, as time would tell, proved not to be genuine. And as I reflected on that, as I reflected on some of the practices of ministry and, and from the ways that this church and other churches were going about it, it inspired me to write the book that I wrote. I love how you framed your rationale uh, in the context of just local church ministry. 
and uh, what, like what's going on and, and the question that parents get. And, and there's a certain built-in, I guess, assumption by many evangelical parents that if, if we kind of check the right boxes that our child's uh, you know, elementary years, adolescent years, that when they're adults, they kind of look and believe and function in the life of the church like, like, like we do as adults. And that's not, not, certainly not always the case. And uh, and again, very often this goes further upstream to they're not having been true conversion in the first place. You know, I serve as president of Midwestern Seminary, as you know, and a denomination with you know nearly 15 million members, from which about a third show up or engage in active ways in life of the church, Lord's Day to Lord's Day. And so we do have this multi-generational, this transgenerational problem of unregenerate church membership. And um, that goes back again to this very topic here of not preaching for sound conversions. I I guess I would encourage you, um, Michael, or or tee you up for a moment here to speak to what you see, not just within the context of your local church and in your personal ministry that that, that really motivated the book, at least in part, but what are you seeing on the landscape, the horizon as well, that makes you think this topic isn't merely relevant for those who are, you know, sticklers on church membership. But as I look at the the horizon of evangelicalism, this is a topic that, that we need pastors across the country and beyond to give a second look. No, I think that's right. Um, not only do we see uh, this this problem of of the, the lack of sort of generational transfer, right? That the kids are growing up in the church, but they're not they're not staying in the church. They they are, are not uh, uh, experiencing a genuine conversion. Um, we, we, we also see, I think, increasingly uh, churches that uh, just, they don't look distinct from the world. Uh, we, we are populating, uh, there, are, there are plenty of big churches uh, that are populated with people that are coming for maybe for all sorts of reasons, but, but are, the, are the lives of the folks that are in our churches but they're the kind of lives, both individually and then corporately, that are, that are providing a compelling witness to the power and the truth of the gospel. Paul talks in Ephesians 3 that the local church is to be a display of the wisdom and the glory of God, the power of God, even, uh, to, to the, the watching cosmos. Um, I, I tell the story in, in my book of, of one of the, actually, leaders of my church. Uh, who uh, very involved on the platform every Sunday, very engaged. Uh, we, we, we get a we get a phone call. This is my first year here. We get a phone call from somebody in the community saying, "Hey, do you know that that particular leader has, you know, moved in with their their boyfriend? Is just living with their boyfriend?" It's like, "Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't know that actually." Um, and and when we talked to that particular leader, uh, you know, her response was. Whoa! I didn't sign up for this. If I if I'd known this is what Christianity was about, I would never have signed up. And it, and again, it got me thinking. Well, <laughs> um, what what did you think you were signing up for? What did you think it meant to be a Christian? If our if our churches, on the on the one hand, um, are, are are places that that are that are supposed to be a display of the truth and the power of the gospel to actually change lives, but then uh, we're, we're, we're filling our churches with people who, who, who maybe have not actually repented and believed. You, you know, instead they've they found a place where they feel like they belong. Maybe they've, they've certainly found a place where they feel loved, 
maybe maybe they found a place where they can do something that they're really interested in. But but if their life hasn't been changed, then then our corporate life together as the local church is going to be seriously hampered uh, as as a as a witness to the gospel, um, as as a powerful kind of evangelist, compelling evangelistic display of of the truth of the gospel. And and I think that uh, there are a lot of different factors that push churches uh, in in this direction. But 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 I see this really across the landscape. Uh, church, our churches, uh, even when they're full, are are not necessarily full of people whose lives have been changed. Uh, and that's going to be a problem. Uh, that's going to be a problem for the for the next generation. That's going to be a problem for our evangelistic witness. Uh, going forward, and, and so we need to address that. Um, we we want we 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 don't want our churches to be uh, anti-gospel, right? Uh, we don't want our churches uh, to to be uh, just another uh, club of people who happen to be all like each other or just enjoy being with each other, but that aren't giving um, a, a powerful witness to the claim that Jesus changes lives. So let's say to those listening, and by the way, you made the comment, weren't sure who were listening to the who was listening to the podcast. It tends to be local church ministers, seminary students, yeah. folks who appreciate okay. preaching, preaching and preachers. So let's sharpen let me sharpen the question for you. So let's say people are listening, okay, I see the need. Man, this is a concern. I want to be healthy. I want my ministry to be healthy in this area. What would you say to them about how their approach to the pulpit um, can shape and should shape? the type of converts they see realized under their ministry. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we have such an opportunity in our preaching to really address this. And and, and beyond just making sure that we're presenting the gospel clearly. I mean, it's got to start there. I I I hope that every single Sunday I am preaching an evangelistic expositional sermon, right? Right. I'm ex- I'm explaining to people actually how to become a Christian. But, but part of what that means is, uh, in my context anyway, I, I need to explain what a Christian is. Um, uh, I, I think we've got a real opportunity in our preaching again and again and again to explain to people, hey, a Christian is not somebody who prayed a prayer 10 years ago. Uh, a Christian is not somebody who grew up in church. A Christian is not somebody who's, who's you know, trying to clean up their life. A Christian is someone who today is repenting of their sins and trusting in Jesus Christ. Repentance and faith is not a one-time act, uh, but it's something that is characteristic of a Christian's life. Um, I, I often find myself going uh, to, to Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 13, examine yourself today to see if you're in the faith. Don't, don't, don't just look back to something maybe you did 10 years ago, or 20 years ago, or even last week. No, look, look today and do you see evidence of a life of repentance and faith. So we need to define what a Christian is and, and um, move away, I think, from something that we learned really in the Second Great Awakening, which is to define a Christian as someone who made a decision. Maybe they walked an aisle, they shook the preacher's hand, they filled out a card. We want to move away from associating conversion with a physical action and instead help people understand, no, conversion, work of the Holy Spirit in your life, 
uh, will, will result in a, a lifestyle of repentance and faith. I think uh, uh, another thing that we want to be doing uh, in, in this regard uh, is making a clear distinction between Christian and non-Christian. I try, I try in, in my sermons every week to address non-Christians directly. Um, I, I really don't, I, I want them to know that they are, oh, we are so glad you're here. Uh, you're welcome here. We want non-Christians in our churches. We want them hearing the gospel. Uh, I, I don't want them, though, uh, to begin to get a sense of, like, that they, they belong before they believe. You know, I don't want them to get a sense that, oh, I can just sort of slide in and, and, and become a part of this without going through the great change. So I try to make the distinction between Christian and non-Christian clear in my preaching, make them feel very welcome, but also help them understand, hey, you, you are on the outside looking in. We would love for you to come inside. Um, but here's what it would mean to come inside. Here's what it would look like uh, to turn away from where you are and to turn to Christ. Um, so we're, we're, we want to make a distinction between Christian and non-Christian, between like member and non-member. Uh, we, we want to explain who a, what a Christian is. Um, and, and then I think uh, the other thing that I'm constantly doing um, is, is making it clear to my own members that um, we never get past the gospel. Uh, the, 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 the gospel is the truth that continues to define our life as Christians. I, I, I remember early on in my ministry, I had a, a lovely, dear woman in my church come up to me and say, why do you keep talking to us about the gospel? I believe in the gospel a long time ago. I want to I, I move on to other things, uh, deeper things. And I just had to look at her and lovingly say, you know, I, I don't think we ever get past the gospel. I don't think there's a deeper place to go. Uh, it's not, as I think Tim Keller said, it's not the ABC of the Christian life. The gospel is the A to Z of the Christian life. And part of what that then does, I think, is it, it, it helps to ensure that the culture that we're creating is a truly, a, a, a truly converted culture, a, a, a culture in our churches of Christians whose lives are characterized by and redolent of the gospel every step of the way. And what have you found and observed as relates to the basic approach to preaching itself and making sound converts and and, and seeing sound conversions take place in your ministry? By that, I mean um, an approach to preaching such as, you know, biblical exposition as opposed to, you know, kind of topical, intentionally preaching shallower sermons to try to appeal to, you know, contemporary listeners. What have you observed on that front? Yeah, I think I think. One of the, one of the problems uh, I'm I'm getting ready to do a topical series. I don't do a lot of them, uh, but I do think sometimes some of the problems with our topical series is uh, they can oh they can they can tend to um, appeal to people just at the the level of the really of the flesh, right? Um, I mean, who doesn't want to have a better marriage? Who doesn't want to um, have a happier home life, have some good tips on child raising. Um, that, uh, unfortunately, a lot of topical con- preaching can tend to a sort of moralism uh, that 
doesn't actually drive towards conversion. It, it may actually just make people more competent on their way to hell. Um, so, so I find that uh, most of the time I'm, I'm preaching expositionally uh, and I am uh, looking for every opportunity in whatever text I'm in to, to do several things. I'm, I'm obviously thinking about um, how does this text itself um, expose our fallen human condition, our, our need for salvation? How does this text specifically appoint us to Jesus Christ? How does this text itself give, um, give concrete shape to what it would mean to repent and believe? And then to continue on in a life of discipleship, trusting in Christ and continuing to repent. Um, I, I find that, that the regular diet of expositional preaching guards me against moralistic preaching. Uh, because I'm, I'm constantly having to ask this question, how does this text point me to Jesus? Or how does this text, if I'm in the, later in the New Testament, how is this text reflecting back on the finished work of the cross and our response to it. Um, like I said, I, I mean, I, every now and then I'll do a topical series. I'm getting ready to do a topical series on gender because I think our, our day and age really needs that. We're really confused about gender right now. Um, but I, I'm a little fearful going into it because I know how easy it will be for that series to simply be laws and rules and, and morals. Uh, and I, I never want to fall into that. I don't want to just give t- people tips for a better life. I want to press them to Jesus. Well, Michael, we'll leave it there. What a fitting place to end. Thank you for your ministry uh, through your book, Conversion, How God Creates a People. Out now a few years uh, with Crossway Publishers, a part of their Nine Marks Building Healthy Churches series. Brother, I appreciate your, uh, your ministry, the topic today, and your time joining me on Preaching and Preachers. Thanks so much, Jason. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.